0: Welcome to Man by Ram Goldrai and Yavamas Daf the eighth or before I begin. I want to make a very important public service announcement for all of our members who receive our materials via WhatsApp. Our number has changed. It's very important to save our new number in your contacts to continue to receive the materials. Our new number is 973-370-4061. Again, it's 973 370 Forty sixty one. So the three were we're going to focus on. Number one, the pasuk regarding Mitzri and Gerim states, Bani Mashi Yavaluahem Dor Hashem. Sons who are born to them in the third generation may enter into the call of Hashem. It was taught in a brayz if sons are mentioned, why are generations mentioned, and vice versa? If sons were stated and generations were not stated, I would have said. Ben Rishon Vesheni shri shi Mutter. That the first and second son are asr, but the third son is Mutter. Therefore, the Pasik says Doros generations. And if generations were stated and sons were not stated, I would have said, Well, osana omdimar Sinai. The Torah is referring to those standing at Harsinai, which Rashi explains to mean that we would have thought that the first and second generation of Jews standing at Harsinai were prohibited to marry Mitzri and Edomi Gerim, but the third generation of Jews would be permitted to marry them. Therefore, the Torah teaches sons, which is clearly referring to the Mitzri and Edomi sons. Point to the G'more explained that the reason the Ryochan ruled that the status of a child of Mitzri Gerim is after its mother is because the Pasuk states as Sheyival who are born to them. But in general we rule that the child's status goes after its father and we do not say hubyarkhimo that a fetus is considered like the thigh of its mother. Do you how this fits with what the Rava said, that mu Uber but not Tvila. If a pregnant Gentile woman converted, her child does not require Tevila. If the child is not considered the thigh of its mother, part of its mother, but rather it's a separate entity, why does the child not require its own tevila? And if you're going to answer the Rabbi Yitzhak said that Torah law is regarding chadzitzah, that a chadzitzah that covers the majority of the body and that one objects to is chadzitz, but one that covers the majority of his body and he does not object to is not chadzitz. And therefore, since the fetus does not object to being covered by his mother's body, her body is not a chadzitzah and the tevih is valid. But Rav Gana said that this rule only works when the majority is covered, but a chadzitzah that covers the whole body is a chadzitzah. The Gemara answers, Shani Uber Dahini Revise. A fetus is different since this is the way it developed. Therefore, the mother's body is not a Chetzitza. And point number three is part of the background of David's decree that the Nasima are not permitted to marry into the Kahal. The Gemara said there was a famine in the land for three years. The first year, David said that perhaps it's because there are idol worshippers among them. They went and checked, and there were none. The second year, he said that perhaps there are people who act promiscuously among them. They went and checked, and there were none. The third year, he said, perhaps it's because there are those who pledge stock in public who do not fulfill their pledge. They went and checked, and there were none. David said, The matter of the famine hinges on me. He asked the Uri Matumi and Hashem replied that the famine is for Shaul, and that they did not eulogize him properly, and also for Shaul's and also for Shaul's sin that he killed the Givonim. The Gemara clarifies that since Shaul massacred the inhabitants of Nov, the city of Kohanim who supplied the Givonim with water and food, the pasuk regards it as though Shaul killed them. So once again, the three points are: number one, the Patsuk regarding Mitzri and Edomi Gerim states. <speaking in Hebrew> Sons who are born to them in the third generation may enter into the kaha of Hashem. It was taught in a if sons are mentioned, why are generations mentioned, and vice versa. If sons were stated and generations were not stated, I would have said, Ben Rishon Visheni Asr, Shri shi Mutter, that the first and second son are Asr, but the third son is Mutter. Therefore the Pasik says, Doros, generations. And if generations were stated and sons were not stated, I would have said, W'osana Omdimah Ar-Sinai. The Torah is referring to those standing at Har Sinai, which Rashi explains to mean that we would have thought that the first and second generation of Jews standing at Har Sinai were prohibited to marry Mitzri and Edomi Gerim, but the third generation of Jews would be permitted to marry them. Therefore, the Torah teaches sons, which is clearly referring to the Mitzri and Edomi sons. Point to the more explained that the reason the Ryochan ruled that the status of a child of Mitzri Gerim is after its mother is because the Pasuk says as she do, who are born to them. But in general we rule that the child's status goes after its father and we do not say yerachimo that a fetus is considered like the thigh of its mother. Think more how this fits with the Brava said that but not Tvila, if a pregnant Gentile woman converted, her child does not require Tevila. If the child is not considered the thigh of its mother, part of its mother, but rather it's a separate entity, why does the child not require its own tevila? And if you're going to answer the Rabbi Yitzhak said that Torah law is regarding chadzitzah, that a chadzitzah that covers the majority of the body and that one objects to is chadzitz, but one that covers the majority of his body and he does not object to is not chadzitz. And therefore, since the fetus does not object to being covered by his mother's body, her body is not a chadzitzah and the teviah is valid. But Rav Gana said that this rule only works when the majority is covered, but a chadzitzah that covers the whole body is a chadzitzah. The Gemara answers, Shani uber Dahini revise." A fetus is different since this is the way it developed. Therefore, the mother's body is not a chetzitza. And point number three, it's part of the background of David's decree that the Nasima are not permitted to marry into the Kahal. The Gemara said there was a famine in the land for three years. The first year, David said that perhaps it's because there are idol worshippers among them. They went and checked and there were none. The second year he said that perhaps there are people who act promiscuously among them. They went and checked and there were none. The third year, he said, perhaps it's because there are those who pledge stuck in public who do not fulfill their pledge. They went and checked, and there were none. David said, the matter of the famine hinges on me. He asked the Urimatummi, and Hashem replied that the famine is for Shaul, and that they did not eulogize him properly, and also for Shaul's and also for Shaul's sin that he killed the Givonim. The Gemara clarifies that since Shaul massacred the inhabitants of Nov, the city of Gohanim, who supplied the Givonim with water and food, the Pusik regards it as though Shaul killed them. All right, so now we go to our simmat of Ayin Ches, and this simmat was suggested to us by Jeremy Shinewood of Woodbury, New York, as well as Yeshua Eisenberg. And they both suggested Ayn Ches is a child going uch, a child going uch. So here goes. The third generation son of Mitzri Gerim, who went uch that it took so long for him to be permitted into the kahal, was jealous of the fetus of the pregnant Gentile woman who converted since it didn't even require its own tevila. And when, uch, again, when the famine in the land entered its third year. Once again, in Solomotion. The third generation son of Mitzri Gerim, who went, uch, child going, uch, that must have off, Ein Ches. The third generation son of Mitzri Gerim, who went, uch, that it took so long for him to be permitted into the Kahal, which reminds us, the Passover guarding Mitzri and Adomi converts states, Sons who are born to them in the third generation may enter into the Kahal of Hashem. I'll price of questions if sons are mentioned, why are generations mentioned, and vice versa. And answers: if sons were stated and generations were not stated, I would have said, Ben Risham Mesheni Asr Shishi that the first and second son are Asr, but the third son is Mutter. Therefore the Pasuk says Doros, generations. And if generations were stated and sons were not stated, I would have said, Osana Omdimar Sinai, the Torah is referring to those standing at Har Sinai. So the third generation son of Mitzri Gerim who an Uch, that it took so long for him to be permitted into the kahal, was jealous of the fetus of the pregnant Gentile woman who converted since it didn't even require its own tevila, which reminds us, which reminds us that if Rabbi Yochan does not say uberki that a fetus is considered like the thigh of its mother, how does it sit with Ravu who said, If a pregnant Gentile woman converted, her child does not require immersion. The child is not considered the thigh of its mother, but rather it's a separate entity. Why does the child not require its own Tavila? So the third generation son of Mitzvigarim, who went uch that it took so long for him to be permitted into the kahal, was jealous of the fetus of the pregnant Gentile woman who converted since it didn't even require its own Tavila, and when uch again when the famine in the land entered its third year. Which reminds us, the Gemara relates David's efforts to determine what was the cause of the famine that ended up lasting three years. Eventually, he asked the Urim Tumim, and Hashem replied that the famine is for Sha'ol in that they did not eulogize Sha'ol properly, and also for Sha'ol's sin that he killed the Givonim. The Gemara clarifies that sin Shaul massacred the inhabitants of Nob, the city of Kohanim, who supplied the Givonim with water and food. The pasuk regards it as though Sha'ol killed them. So once again, the third generation son of Mitsri Gerim, who went Ugh, that it took so long for him to be permitted into the Kahal, was jealous of the fetus of the pregnant Gentile woman who converted, since it didn't even require its own Tavila, And when Uch, again when the famine in the land, entered its third year. All right, now it's time for a 4 block back Daf Ein Daled. So the Daf Ein Daled is a witness. So here goes. The expert witness, witness, that must be more Daf Ein Daled, aid. The expert witness who was testifying that Maisel Rishon is prohibited to an Arl, just like it is to Azar, which reminds us, the gemara continues with attempts to answer the question whether an Aral may eat Meisr shaney. It concludes that a bryce that states that an Aral is prohibited to Meisr could be referring to Meisr Rishon, and it's following the opinion of Rabbi Meir, who holds Meisr Rishon as a Hazarim. Rishon is prohibited to non-Levim, where she explains that just as Rabbi Meir holds that Meisr Rishon has an added level of Kadusha in that it cannot be eaten by non-Levim, Lavim, is also prohibited to an Aral shani which is permitted even to non-Lavim, would be permitted to an Aral as well. So the expert witness who was testifying that Maishashen is prohibited to an Aral, just like it is to a czar, and was asked for the source that a Tame. May not eat truma, which reminds us that the Mishnah Ein Am an stated we call Tamei Mo All those who are Tamei may not eat truma. The Gemara asks for the source for the halacha, and Rabbi Yochan stated in the name of Rabbi Yishmael that the pasuk states, "Ish Ish Mitzera Aaron B'huud Sarua Ozav B'Kachim A man, a man from the offspring of Aaron who is a Mitzora or a Zav, shall not eat from the Kachim until he becomes purified. Ezud Davar Shashave what holy food is universally fit for all the offspring of Aron alike, both men and women? You must say this is Truma, and the Pasuk is prohibiting it to Atame. So the expert witness who was testifying that Maishu Rishon is prohibited to an Aron, just like it is to a Zar, and was asked for the source that Atame may not eat Truma, fascinated the jury with the presentation about the three stages of becoming Taur T. Maishu Truma, and Kadshim. Which reminds the Gemur reconciles three contradictory psukim regarding purification, saying that the first Pasuk is teaching that after Teviwa during the day, one becomes tower to eat Maisusheni. The second Pasuk is teaching that Esfu Yom becomes permitted to eat Truma after nightfall. The third Pasuk is teaching that one becomes tower to eat Kachim after bringing the atonement offering. The Gemur addresses why eating Truma is considered more stringent than eating Maisusheni. Daf Ein Hey. So the simmer Daf Ein Hey is an Amma Arts. So here goes. The Amma Arts, Amma Arts. That must be more in Daf Ein Hey. The Amar's who arrived at the hospital just after sunset, when Tami Kohanim, who had tobbled earlier, were now eating their Truma, which reminds us, Gemara why three psukim are needed regarding the purification to eat truma, and answers that all three are required to teach that there must be a tfiwa, the person must wait until Arv Shemesh, until the sun sets, and then he can be a bar kapara and still eat after the sun sets and doesn't need to wait until he brings a carbon. So, the Amar's who arrived at the hospital just after sunset, when Tami Kohanim, who had tobbled earlier, were now eating their Truma, Passed through the ward filled with different types of Batsui daka, which reminds us the moral lists what conditions qualify someone as a btsuah daka. So the amarz who arrived at the hospital just after sunset, when Tamiko Hanimu, who had tobed earlier were now eating their druma, passed through the ward filled with different types of Batsui daka and was so proud he brought a box of tissues for his friend who was a kruchavcha to help wipe the mucus spilling. From his nose, which reminds us on, from where is it known that a kru shavcha, someone with a severed shavcha, refers to the male organ? And answers that the pasuk says kru shavcha, which indicates mishal krisa that it refers to an organ that spills as a result of the severing. Whereas prior to severing, it was not spilling but was mekaleach; it was spouting. This excludes the nose, where both before and after the severing, it spills its mucus. Ein Vav. So the Simitav Ein Vav is an IV tube, an intravenous tube. So here goes. The Patsua Dakakon who married the Gior's nurse, who always hooked up his IV, IV, that must be Ein Vav, intravenous tube. The Petzua Dakakon who married the Gioris nurse, who always hooked up his IV, which reminds us, Rosh Hashish was asked, Petzua Dakakon mahu bigioris Regarding a Petzua Dakakon, what is the law regarding marrying a Gioris or meshuchreres? Do we say that he remains in his kahuna level of Kadusha and is forbidden to her, or does he not remain in that level and is permitted to her? He answered that if Petzua Dakakon Yisrael is permitted to marry a Nesina, then a Petzua Dakakon does not remain in his level of Kadusha and may marry a Gioris or a freed slave woman. So the B'Tzua D'Kakon who married the Giyors, and nurse, who always hooked up his IV, hallucinate that he had a son named Peretz, dressed up in oversized battle armor. Which reminds us, when David went out to fight Gallios, shall we want to know if Dovet descended from Peretz or Zerach. If he descends from Peretz, he will be a king. Shall Melch, Poretz, Zerach. For a king may break through Porates other people's fences, to make a path for himself and no one can protest against him. If he descends from Zerah, he will be merely Khashiv. The reason Shaul asked about him is that Shaul saw that when he gave David his battle garments, they fit David, even though Shaul was taller than everyone. Since his garments fit David miraculously, Shaul asked if he was destined for Malchus. So the B'Tzua Dakakon who married the Gioris nurse, who always hooked up his IV, hallucinated that he had a son named Peretz dressed up in oversized battle armor, who would go out and greet travelers with bread and water. Which reminds us, the Gemara relates that Doa Ka'adomi set to before he asked whether the devil is fit for Malchus or not, ask whether he's fit to marry into the Kahal, because he comes from Rus, who was a Moabi. When Avner responded that it was taught, Amoni v'lo Amonis, Moavi v'lo Moavis, the Torah only prohibits the males and not the females of Amon and Moab. Doa counted that when the Pasuk says, Mamzer, does it not refer to a Mamzeris as well? And the Pasuk says, mitsri, does it not also refer to a mitsri? Avner responded that it is different in the case of an Ammoni and Moabi, since the Torah explicitly said the reason is because they did not greet you with bread and water on the road when you were leaving Mitzrayim. It's the way for men to greet travelers with bread and water, but not for women to do so. Doeg continues to challenge Avner, and on the next daf, the issue is resolved. Daf Zayin. said so the similar Daf Zayin is a goat. So here goes. The man whose sword was tied to his goat's back. Goat? That must be more than Daf Ein Zain, A's. The man whose sword was tied to his goat's back. To be used against those who did not accept his halachic tradition, which reminds us, continue with the account of Dog's challenges to David's Yechus. The Gemara reconciles contradictory psukim wherein one Pusik, a was married to David's sister, is referred to as the son of Yisra HaYisraeli, and another Pusik, his father, is referred to as Yeser HaYishmaeli. Rav explained that when Dog wanted to disqualify David, that Yeser girded his sword HaYishmaeli and said, Whoever does not accept the halacha shall be impaled. By by the sword, for I have received a tradition from the base in the Shmuel that the Torah prohibits Amoni velo Amonis Moavi velo Moavis, and therefore David is permitted to marry into the Kahal. So, the man whose sword was tied to his goat's back to be used against those who did not accept his halachic tradition decided to use it to cut two Moavi and Ammoni yoke straps off the goat's neck. Which reminds us, Rav explained what's the meaning of that which is written, Pitachtu Moserai, you have released my yoke straps. David said to Kishbarach Rabbon Shalom, Shnei Moserah Alai the two straps were upon me, you have released, Rusha Moavi and Naamah Ammonis. Naamah was the wife of David's son Shlomo and the mother of his grandson Rechavim. Therefore, there were two yoke straps who were potentially harmful to the yichus of David's malchus, Rus from Moab and Naama from Ammon. Now that the luck has been resolved permitting female converts from these nations to marry into the kahal, had release released David from these yoke straps. So the man whose sword was tied to his goat's back to be used against those who did not accept his halachic tradition decided to use it to cut two Mo'avi Anamoni yoke straps off the goat's neck and give the goat as a gift to the daughter of an Ammoni ger and an Yisraelis who was about to marry a Kohen. Which reminds us, we have the Malchus Re-Yohan whether the daughter of an Ammoni ger and a an Yisraelis is fit for the Kohuna. All right, so that concludes today's shir. This is Rabbi Avraham Golden. a great day and great learning.